coming up on a long overdue episode of the Big Footy Podcast. We talk all things to do with the Asada investigation. We talk about the rise of Port Adelaide, the increasing fortunes of Gold Coast, and we discuss umpiring and we ask the question, are football fans racist? All that and more, coming right up. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Big Footy Podcast. We're finally back. We've uh, had a little bit of a hiatus for uh, reasons beyond our control. But uh, we are back, and with me as always, a uh, respected team of experts have joined me for the podcast. And I would look proud to introduce to you Messenger uh, from the Hawthorne board. Who's the expert tonight? <laughs> not, not you. Um, I've got Mike from the Bulldogs board. Hey guys, good to be back. And joining us, as always, uh, the prosecutor from the Essendon board. Cheers, Wookie. Expert, that's a bit flattering. Well, I had to buddy us up after a month off, and uh, you've seen through my uh, through my intro, so uh, we're going <laughs> to go straight on. It, it's been a... We've, we've missed a lot, and I don't really want to spend too much time going back over the last four weeks, so... Uh, there's some big things that have been going on lately, and obviously, uh, uh, sorry, Pros, but the Essendon stuff has been in the news lately. And you are our resident, you, you are our resident expert on things Essendon um, and drugs. And drugs. So, um, you know, being a young person, obviously, messenger myself and Mike are well beyond knowing things like that. Um, how do you uh, how do you see the recent developments with the Asada investigation and the bombers? Look, it seems to be some forward momentum with the investigation anyway. I mean, what direction it's going to go towards? You'd say show cause notices appear to be imminent. Um, but a- apart from that, it's the same old, same old, same conjecture, same debates, and same few individuals who are going round and round in circles. Uh, there's really not much to add in the way of substance at the moment. Okay. Messenger, you got any thoughts, Mike? I'm over yeah. it. I just, I just get it fixed. Just get it sorted one way or the other. I actually don't care now. I actually don't care. I, I'm yeah, just, I'm look, just past it. Asada have just been a disgrace with all of this. It's just been long-winded, drawn out. I think they just need to get it over and done with. Either they issue the show causes and get the next uh, step rolling, or they just lock it away and forget about it because it's just turning into an absolute debacle. Just as a point of interest. Um, what I've found really interesting is the reaction of Essendon supporters in particularly this season uh, in comparison to last season where there was the siege mentality and there was that unifying spirit amongst all the supporters where I've noticed definitely within um, an inner circle of a few big footy posters on the Essendon board, uh, myself included, uh, it seems each supporter has reached a breaking point at times this season. Um, I personally had mine at halftime in the Sydney match. Uh, it's the first game I've ever left early, an Essendon game I've ever left early. And, I mean, I've stayed around for games like the round 28, oh, sorry, round 22 in 2008 where we lost by 100-odd points to St Kilda and stuff like that. But 
there was a point, and I think a lot of Essendon supporters as well, where we saw the Troy panel incident, it was just a boiling over of frustrations. And that doesn't excuse that particular incident, but it's, um, it's I guess, a symptom of an overall oh, discontent where the game's at and where, the, I guess, the football club is at as well and how supporters are actually enjoying their football at the moment. So I think that's probably the most interesting thing I've noticed Definitely in the last um, couple of months in regards to the Asada investigation and the club. Okay, so how do we... They've appointed a new guy, obviously, to head up Asada, um, the cop that they've put in place there. And he does seem to be grimly determined to to get through it all. I think uh, he was was saying that it was better to be safe than quick. Um, Or words to that effect, anyway... Do, do you see that that's actually going to come to uh, a head anytime soon? Well, I mean, the media had their D-Days every so often. I mean, another one's passed. I think it was um, Purple Monkey Dishwasher's um, prediction that today would be the day that show cause notices would be um, distributed. But, I mean, as it stands, it's all just conjecture in the end. I mean, um, some uh, parties will argue that Downs coming. It's Downs, isn't it? Yeah, I think uh, so. Da- Downs wrote the report, yeah. Uh, Devitt or Demet or something? Mc- Mc- McDevitt is That's the one. new head yeah. of Asada. Right. Oh, well, new head of Asada. Okay, I was thinking of the um, guy who's done the cross the T's, dotted the I's. Yeah. And stuff. But um, I guess there's a, you know, there's some portion who will say, oh, look at him. He's obviously meaning business. You know, they're obviously bringing in him, him in to whack the clubs. And then you have the other side of the fence who say, Obviously, you know, it's a wrap-up job. There's not much to be seen. And in the end, I mean, it's it's been the same all the way through this entire saga. There's two sides to the coin, and to unfortunately, the coin hasn't one, landed yet. To be fair, one side of that is almost 100% red red and black. Oh, well, like, we have a notable exception, such as our um, Barkley Street End, who... Is our member of the moral minority? Yeah, minority. yeah. But um, yeah. Obviously, <laughs> as I said, there's, um, you know, there's two kinds. Uh, there's two sides to the coin, and in the as of yet, as I said, the coin hasn't landed yet. So, who the hell knows is going to happen? I think we've got beyond the point where, you know, there's actual funding conjecture. It's just get it done, get some results, and move on. All right. I don't. I don't want to dwell too much on that uh, further, but um, yeah, obviously things. And I think there was a tweet today that said uh, show cause notices might not come out until like just before the finals, or <laughs> no one really knows. Yeah, what. So, the, yeah, one day they're next week, and then they're the next the week after that, and all of a sudden that's September. And you know, you mm. do it, don't do it, but but don't tell us it's coming. Just do it, get it sorted. And I, I think, think the AF. Sorry, um, go ahead. I think the AFL needs to also step up and uh, and take or make a stand here and go to a side and say, look, this has been dragging on. If you're going to issue the show cause notices, do it now because it's actually starting to affect the game. People need to know what's going on. Um, and it looks like the AFL management has, has really just either washed their hands of it and just taking a back seat and letting it all unfold, which I don't really think is the way they should be going about it, considering the impact it could have on the outcome of the game and the impact uh, on potentially rubbing out a team. Um, from the competition so get in there 
put some pressure on Asada to deliver the reports, either do it or don't, but stop uh, pussyfooting around and dragging out when it doesn't really need to be. Mm. But if you I believe... Think they've had, sorry, I think they've had far more than enough time to get their case together. If you believe Caro, though, um, Asada aren't listening to either Essendon or the AFL at the moment. They're not taking calls. They're just... Yeah, that's it's, what I was um, about to say. It's, um, Asada are pretty much motorising their own course at the moment without... Well, they should that, have been they, doing that from the start. That full circle of, um, you know, the Essendon, AFL and Asada has really disintegrated since the start of it with the joint investigation and self-reporting. Um, it just, you know, seems every party for themselves in the sense, like Essendon and the AFL will obviously look out for each other, but Asada seems... Asada doesn't seem willing to play ball anymore and... Obviously, I think the I think um, Andrew Demetrio was it or was it uh, Brett Clothier saying that um, uh, was that the AFL model of dealing with the drugs and sport investigation would become a, a reference point for other sports in the world. Well, I think the way it's turning out, it's not going to exactly be um, a reference point for how not yeah. to deal with it. <laughs> I think so. It's got to the point where there's that level of mistrust. There's um, various agendas at play. It's just it's a, you know, it's a clusterfuck. Not that That's, the nat- too much with it. Not that the other side of the coin, the way the National Rugby League dealt with theirs, is going to pay off any better for them. It seems, uh, Sander Earl is going to go to the Administrative Affairs Tribunal. Apparently, once he actually gets onto the Register of Findings, he can't do anything until that happens. But uh, that doesn't look like there's going to be a, a short-term future there either. But he's 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 been completely denied due process. In that he was essentially. Uh, shoehorned into yeah. put over a barrel and said accept a suspension or or, or else and uh, he has no recourse because he's in this sort of administrative limbo and it, it really is um, really is quite a ludicrous situation for somebody to be in yeah all right I want to move on to the the subject of racism in the in the league and uh, Adam Goods again vilified by this time an Essendon supporter apparently. And uh, the AFL saying that uh, Essendon have suspended uh, or expelled an, uh, an Essendon member for vilifying Adam Goods on Friday night. Yep. Do we have a racism problem? Largely from a football issue. I mean, you pick, you've got one guy over a crowd of 40-odd thousand. And, I mean, what? how many racial incidents have we had this year? Three at most? Yeah, like, if, if you don't like, count I mean, Eddie. We're average... You know, if we're averaging like one racial incident in every four or five rounds, like comment, and I mean, we've got 300 odd thousand attendants each round. I mean, I don't think that's a problem. I think that's just the one idiot in the crowd who's always where there's always one. So, and I, unfortunately, unfortunately, I, I agree with that. You're never going to completely eradicate it because you're relying on people to have. Uh, sensible level and approach to you know cheering at football and, and yelling at the football and unfortunately people's emotions do get in the way and they say things they don't always intend to and they get a bit aggro um, yeah it's one of those things that this this attitude and behaviour was acceptable 20 years ago but it's, it's now I think you know people have uh, caught up with it people are now know, now uh, won't accept it for obvious reasons um, it's no longer a, a part of football today and I think people have to remember that that uh, at the end of the day, children, we're encouraging more children to go to these games and we need to set an example so no matter how pissed off we are, it's, it, it's not uh, tolerable for anyone to, to display that. Good or bad, you know, I mean, things have changed, but I think we need to change for the better. No, that's fair call. 
There's one comment that I would want to make on it, and it's um, Mark Robinson said it on an AFL 360 before, and it's come up quite a bit that um, Essendon supporters booing Adam Goods was a racial act. Um, uh, that's one of the more ludicrous suggestions I've actually read when it comes to racism, because um, for the look, we, booing Goods wasn't a you know it wasn't exactly a highlight of the evening, and he, he probably doesn't deserve it, but. To say that it's racial, and especially when they've got other Indigenous players, they've got other, you know, backgrounds and races they're playing for them, and they don't get booed. To, to just take the cop-out option and label the booing of goods racial is, I think, poor form as well. Yeah, no, I don't, I don't uh, think, I don't think there's anything wrong with booing, but uh, it's um, it's another thing if you if you're throwing racial slurs at him. And, uh, oh, definitely. I, I, I think the club's responded that, appropriately. To... Just to disregard the booing as racism on a, you know, a stadium-wide level is just incredibly yeah. naive. And it's important to, I think, to note that on, in the scale of things, this is one person in fifty thousand. Yeah. Like, it's it's not like there was a whole block of the crowd. It's not like you had a Bay Thirteen-style section of the crowd shouting stuff at him. It's one person. Mm. And we don't even know what he said at this stage, too. Yeah, and, and like last year, it was one misguided, you know, fifteen-year-old. You know, yeah, but what one one misguided fifteen-year-old who who gets it from somewhere? I mean, yeah, that's true. And I'm not yeah, saying but, it's representative of society, but I am saying that in terms of the league and in terms of AFL supporters, it does seem to be vastly overstated. It's an outlier. It's not a. It's not an actual. I, I I think that's probably an over, overly simplistic way to think of it. If because you don't get caught, you don't think like that. I think mm. racism is a generational issue, and it will. And you, and I think you will find that the younger generations are far less likely to reach for those things. But there are people who are, you know, of an old, of a previous generation, and perhaps a little older than you and I, Wookie who do reach for that sort of stuff. And it's no, not just true. in a football sense, it's in an everyday life sense. And there is a an undertone of very casual racism that goes through in this country. And, and I don't think we should deny it. That's not to say that people are racist, but the people are very easy with racially motivated comments. And, and I don't think... And I think footballs are probably just as representative of an audience as, as, as anywhere else. So, look, um, they're just the ones who get caught. Yeah, if, if it look, if anything, I think uh, they try to make an example example out of these people who who do these or or make these comments at football games, and purely for the reason that the AFL is is reaching out to a market of um, cultural variety, versatility, and, and tapping into those you know Africans who come across who who immigrate to Australia, Europeans, and what they don't want. Is to, is to that market to be turned away from the game because of this behaviour that goes on. I guess if you compare it, um, if you go back to the late 80s or the 80s and the 90s with the uh, Australian Soccer Federation and, and the problems they had there, and they, they managed to stamp that out. Um, and, and look, it'll always go on. It still goes on, and I think, uh, I think Messenger, what you said is, is, is a fair comment. Um, it, it's inbred in our culture, you know. I'd hate to admit it, but I think that is the truth. Yep. Um, but the AFL is making a making a very very concerted effort to stamp that out of the game, so it doesn't 
detract away from the game and it encourages people of all cultural backgrounds to participate in it. And it just and it still just takes at the at the games now, somebody says something like that and it takes a few people to turn around and say, That's not on. Yeah. And, and that's how it changes. Is it, your peers change your change people's attitudes, not authorities. And okay, the what the AFL I completely agree with what the AFL are doing, but ultimately change comes from the people you consider your peers. And if they say now that's unacceptable behaviour then it's then it becomes unacceptable behaviour. Just as the attitudes towards drink driving have changed generationally over the last twenty years. I mean look when I was eighteen I saw people carried to their cars to drive home they were so drunk. Now they'd be hiding their keys from them. I yeah. mean it's a very different way of thinking. And this is exactly the same thing is that ultimately you take your cues from the people around you. And, no. and I think that's this is what will happen with racism. No, fair enough. Fair call. I completely agree. Um, the other thing that uh, was in the news this week, uh, Tommy Hafey, legend of the game. I, I don't think anyone would deny that. Um, uh, obviously passed away. They had a big funeral for him yesterday at the MCG. Um, Messenger, you're probably the only one of us that's old enough to remember his uh, ex- exploits. Oh, <laughs> oh them's, them's fighting words. I, I, oh, sorry, I, Mike, did I leave you out of that, did I? I... I know if Mike's broken cover as somebody who may or may not be older than me, and I think you've probably given the, the fans, the, the listeners, an impression that we're we're in their fifties or something, but not quite. Um, it's grumpy I, I old men in the podcast. I mean, I don't That's what it is. As a, as a Richmond coach, but um, really, when you think back of it, how many coaches have got, got four flags to their name? Really, I mean, it's a very very short list. Oh, Parkin, Matthews. Sheedy, Matthews, Matthews. <laughs> Norm Smith. Has he got four? Uh, uh, maybe. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's jo- a... It's Jock a McCall very, very probably did. He's probably got about nine, isn't he? <laughs> I don't know. And uh, Jeans. Didn't, oh, no. Was it Jeans? Yeah, no, Jeans. Yeah, right. Oh, yeah, Yabby would have had a few. Yabby, yeah. One, he did... I'm just trying to think. One, two, three, I can... Barassi, oh, maybe? Oh, no, three, because... Uh, sorry, because Alan Joyce... Oh, yeah, the year he had off. Yes, I'm yes, trying yes. to think who was coached the 91 side. Yeah, yeah Joyce. Joyce. He, no, he coached 89. He was the 89 no. premiership. And Joyce 91. Was I was still with my father's eye back then. Oh, he was, yeah. <laughs> God. Good good old Alan Joyce. And, well, didn't he, no, didn't he, he go to the Bulldogs he, after that, Alan Joyce? <laughs> he did, he did. And he brought us Alan Jakovic, and what a great win that was. And <laughs> <laughs> it went very well. But look, he, he was... Uh, he probably, the younger people now probably don't think of him as a Richmond coach. They think of him as a bit of a, an oddity and a fitness fanatic and what have you. But he, he had a very distinguished coaching career and probably after Richmond it didn't go very well. I mean, he had uh, near enough, not quite good enough at Collingwood for a number of years and, and then Geelong and Sydney after that. But, um, yeah, he was fondly remembered. And well, he should oh. be, I think. Look, no but doubt, think... you know, Tom, Tom was a statesman of the game. He was, he was well-respected amongst the ranks. And, you know, I mean, he was a, he was a real, uh, he was a hero, for, I guess, for his time and place. And everyone looked up to him. So, you know, bail Tommy Hafey. And, and, and look, um, something else, Bookie, too, that we should probably remember, and it's, it's, people will be grieving for this, too, um, this week. But um, something else died on the weekend. Yes, we yes what, was, what was it, Messenger? So, 
Well, I think we need to have a moment's silence and a bit of uh, genuflection for Richmond's season. It, <laughs> it died about the same time as Tommy. Um, <laughs> very sad. Very sad. Uh, it's not. I, look, as a Carlton supporter, there's nothing sad about Richmond's uh, season going under. Um, look, I'm, I'm sure. I'm sure. Prosecutor feels sad about it as well. <laughs> but look, what serious question? While we're on the topic of Richmond, um, Hardwick is he on a on a short lead? Is he on is he on borrowed time? The question needs to be asked. He, he, he did yeah, take him to well, legit he's finals last year. Extension to the end of 2016, doesn't he? he? Yeah, and they did extend his contract. He did take him legit to finals last year, and I think that gives him some leeway this year. But I'm not sure where he's going to go if they keep losing. Is that the real oh. Richmond, though, or is this? Well, the real Richmond's the team that lost in the final. But anyway, so um, the, the, well, the real Richmond is. It's they, they haven't they they have not got. One iota better this year. In fact, they're, they're worse, and um, they can probably. Well, I guess they're mathematical. When you're talking about people being mathematical possibilities in mid-May, I think you're in trouble. Oh, we've been talking about mathematical possibilities down at Princess Park since round one. So, um, you know, that's us. And mathmat- <laughs> and you need last year you need mathematics to get be thrown out the window. To and don't you it. worry, we're going to be relying on that again. <laughs> so, so the way it's panning out, it will probably end up. It's going to be us. We do in two weeks come to a crossroad. The 31st of May, Saturday night, Essendon v Richmond, MCG. You, it could be loser goes home. Oh, well, there's a, I think there's a pretty apt South Park episode for this. Um, it's the episode where they have the cripple fight. Uh, basically, there is no, there's no winners. There's just the person who loses the least out of this upcoming fixture. And golf would be Richmond lose to JWS this coming week. Then, oh, uh, it's, uh, it's it's on the cards. You know what I think will be funny about that Essendon Richmond game is it might be a race to see who can get out first at three quarter time. There's genuine possibilities that that everyone just leaves in protest of the standard of football. Well, no, no one will be around for the last quarter. Well, Essendon hasn't kicked more than 10 goals since round three against your mob, Wookie. Yeah, we were pretty bad that game. Oh, it was an enjoyable night, I'm not going to lie. Yeah. <laughs> well, I don't, I don't think except for uh, the rest of us have had very enjoyable scenes so far. So, well, <laughs> hasn't been a good one so far this year, but who knows. Speaking well, of having good seasons, though, um, and... Uh, I want to talk about Gold Coast for a minute. Um, I know at the start of the season I predicted that they'd make the finals, and I think uh, some of us, some others of us, did as well. Um, I'm not entirely sure they're not going to finish even like we, we could be talking top four here at the rate they're going. Yeah, I'm yet to be no. convinced. By to be honest, um, they they've had a relatively good run when it comes to opposition of played. Um, I mean, they came up against Hawthorne and Metricon and went down by 99-odd points. Um, I'm more looking forward to seeing how they go against the likes of uh, Geelong, Fremantle, Port Adelaide first before... You know, before I, I, under, I understand or, that, but they are beating so. the teams they're supposed to beat. Yeah, I mean... And that's, they're, and that's they're, all they're you need to do. But the question is, are they competing for a top eight or are they going to be hanging around where they are for the yeah. rest of the season? Um, I, I think, I think eight to six is probably likely, seen, but uh, no doubt they're doing everything expected of them and more at this stage. So mm. hats off to them. I don't know. I think they're um, the best of the 
you know, teams in the five, six, seven, eight positions. I don't think that they'll, and they'll continue to beat teams. They'll continue to go well, but I don't think they're in that bracket um, for the top four. I think there's uh, clear gaps between them and your Hawthorns, your Geelongs, your Frios, your Collingwoods, your Swans. Um, so, yeah, no, look, but I think they're, they're, they're playing to my expectations and they will be in the finals, mate. No doubt about that. And they'll perform well, and I think it'll be a good win for Queensland to have uh, Gold Coast win a game or two. Absolutely. Uh, conversely, I think GWS have dropped off a little bit. Um, they started with such promise at the start of the year. It's uh, funny to look back now and think that uh, the team that we saw for the last two weeks in the Swans were knocked off by the Giants. It's, hmm. it's funny how... It's a nice little reminder how even the competition is. I, I stand by, I said this a few weeks ago before we had to go on the hiatus because Wookie piffed it because Carlton were no good. <laughs> well, this is, no, we've got to tell people the truth. You spat it because you didn't want to talk about Carlton anymore and we're back, so we've had to force you. We've had to, anyway, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm with you, in the next three years, Gold Coast is the better team, but on, on a five-year-plus horizon, GWS are probably going to be better than Gold Coast. Well, I think they're... Um, a good key, uh, key position forward or two, I reckon that will change around. Um, look, they've got a couple now. They've got a couple I mean, now. But I mean, I'm comparing the likes of Cameron and Patton and potentially Boyd to the likes of um, Gold Coast with, with like Lynch and Day. Dixon. Dixon, yep. So, I mean, there's. I'm not saying that the Gold Coast players are poor, but I'm saying in the golfing class compared to the potential of the Giants is... Mm, I'm not the difference between the teams. The Gold Coast... You know, GWS have the bigger forwards and the bigger key position players, but I think the Gold Coast have better midfielders and better runners. Wookie, yeah. as the Carlton supporter who's seen um, some dire list management over the years... Yes, yes, I'm something of an expert on that. Uh, a common debate amongst Essendon and Carlton supporters has been the um, approach to list management where... The Bombers were largely seen to go after key position players first, and Carlton just pretty much stacked the midfield. Yeah, Do much, you see much any similarities in the um, strategies that uh, Gold Coast and GWS are employing? I think I see in the conversing strategies. Gold, Co- I think Gold Coast followed a Carlton-like strategy in a way where they took the best available, and yep. wh- whereas GWS, I, I, I think GWS have done the same thing. It's just fallen into place for them at the right time. Like, there's no doubt that the guys that they've taken at number one were going to go at number one. I mean, like... Well, not to mention having a compromised draft. But I think the other thing you've got to say, too, is that Gold Coast have had a... You know, they, they, they've had a couple of seasons together now, so they're really starting yeah. to gel as a team, and they've, they're in that age bracket now of the early 20s, and actually they know how to play with, with each other. Don't take that the wrong way. No. But they know, they know, they know the game structure, um, and they're, they're really starting to play well as a unit and I think that's that's what's that's what's come about and and they have us be the best player of all time on that that can't hurt well, <laughs> look, yeah. look I, I Gold Coast have played three teams inside the eight so far this year and they've only beat one of them and the other two wasn't really close yeah so I, I'd be tempering my expectations as to how well they do I think they'll certainly finish in the sort of six seven eight spot but and they might even win one of the win an elimination final particularly if they get one at home from sixth spot but um next year is really their year where they could be looking at top four all right well that brings me to port adelaide 
now. I know they play your mob this week, Messenger. Oh, yeah. In yeah. in what uh, at Adelaide Oval as well, I think so. Yeah, it is at Adelaide Oval. Look, it's I a know. huge game. I mean, make no mistake, this game was sold out in Adelaide a week ago. I uh, can I just say I love watching Port Adelaide play football. They are everything you want in a football team. They're brave. They move it on. They're they're fearless. They've got guys who can mark. They're good defensively. They're really enjoyable to watch. They're going to be getting what's left of uh, Hawthorne off the uh, off the hospital list. But uh, and I and I would think at this point that Porter would be comfortable favourites. I was I about right? to ask: Are Port Adelaide the flag favourites? Oh, hang on, here we go. Uh, no, 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 no. no, 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 no. I would say that. Yep. No, no. Oh, you're in similar proposition to Essendon of recent years in that you want to see if they can last the whole season, maintaining this form before you start talking about that. Well, here you go. Here's the odds for the flag. At the moment, Hawthorne three dollars twenty-five, and I would imagine lengthening by the day. Sydney five dollars, Geelong six dollars, Port Adelaide are on the net, the fourth line of beating with Fremantle at seven dollars, and then it's Collingwood eleven, North Melbourne seventeen, and the rest. Yeah, see, I think Port are better than Freo and Geelong at the moment. Um, well, they proved that, well better than Frio last week. Well, so. they beat both of them, haven't they? Yeah. And they've beaten Geelong as well. And if they get final, um, if they get finals at Adelaide Oval, oh yeah, they they, they, they won't lose. Them. And let me All let right. me make no mistake about Port Adelaide. Their revival is not just about them being in form and them being in a new stadium and them having it's lots of members. Wide, um... It's everything, and they and on top of that, they're playing an attractive brand of footy that makes people want to go and watch. Yes. These, I mean, the, when I lived in, in in the CBD, they'd march past my freaking hotel room, and you'd just want to throw shit at them. <laughs> but th- there's thousands of them. This march that they do from Rundle Mall to the Oval is huge. Mm. And, and and I can tell you that the the the, uh, the the head-to-head, the betting for this weekend, Port Adelaide a dollar forty-two, Hawthorne two ninety. Jesus, oh, yeah, <laughs> it wouldn't be often the Hawks would get Port those. Adelaide ones. over. Forty points and over would be a decent bet this week. I oh, Hawthorne will struggle. They will really struggle this week. It's, they will really struggle. So Some, something you know, of a percentage booster for Port Adelaide. Yes, a percentage <laughs> diminisher. Good thing we beat St Kilda the other day, just to offer ourselves. Man, haven't St Kilda dropped off again? Give it. Well, you know, we we jumped the gun on St Kilda, didn't we? We, we? we have to put them in that category. Not very good at professional football. Well, no, we, uh, most of us hey, wrote hey, them hey, off. Hey, hey, we unanimously picked him, picked St Kilda okay. for... Uh, yes. Okay. Yes. Can I address attention to the main board where a certain poster who was participating in this podcast may have created a thread discussing the present and the future of St Kilda Football Club only to have people everywhere, mostly St Kilda supporters, bump it and ridicule me after their win against Essendon, for, the, for them only to go on to lose to Brisbane and belt by 140-odd points to Hawthorne. Now, <laughs> I'm not I, I love how you started off with players, the vague... I mean, come on. I've a bit of, um, I, you know, there's not a lot of vindication because that, that's a long-term outlook, but there is some vindication there to say that there are real problems at St Kilda and while they had a good start, they've had three wins. Two of them have been against Melbourne and GWS. I mean, the and an Essendon team, which by all, you know, we can all admit is struggling. There's uh, St Kilda do have a lot of work ahead of them and 
you know, there are some good young players who are coming through. Billings is basically, um, he's in my chat category where I'd almost consider buying a membership just for him. But um, there is a lot of work. There's a lot of uh, water to pass under the bridge and they're, they're a long-term proposition. And I think um, the last few weeks in particular have been a stark reminder of that. Well, at the start of the season, we all picked, like unanimously, the panel guys on the, on the big on the podcast here. We all picked St Kilda to finish bottom. And, yes, and if it wasn't for Brisbane, and like, to... I mean, <laughs> nobody anticipated Brisbane being. No, I think we bad. all we no we, we didn't. We anticipated improvement, and I think, uh, yeah, it's, um... it's been perennially overrated though for a couple of years, as in there. Uh, they're like Adelaide. They're a pre-season favourite. They give glimpses, and uh, it's just it's not enough. And Adelaide have been disappointing this season as well for mine. I thought that I thought they'd be improving, but uh, again, that whole I thought I thought. Well, Thursday uh, night's a step in the right direction, so we'll see if they can maintain that. But they have been a bit of a front-running side this year to date. Brisbane are both eighteenth uh, in points for. And first in points against, they actually, and they have a, they're fifty five percent. They have a fifty five percentage, and they still nearly beat Essendon. Was that? And they still, and they still nearly beat Essendon. But they, they really are. They, they're, they're wretched. And but I think the thing for Secunda is that they are in. They're, they're not at a point now where you can say, oh, we can see that they're definitely going to be good. There's a few good kids there, and there's a start of something. But it could easily go west on them. It could easily go west on them. And, um, yeah, they're a long way from being decent at all. The real problem is going to be when they lose Rewalt, Hayes, Montagna. That's yeah. when, um, I mean, they've got Stephen, but apart from that... Because um, one of the big talking points when they traded McAvoy to Hawthorne was the fact that there was this real um, void of that middle-aged players in their prime... In the list demographics, it was you had your Rewalts and Hayes, and then on the other end you had your Billings, your um, and your other like your whoever else is young on St Kilda's list. There's too many of them, but um, I think that's that really hasn't become evident yet. And Nick Rewalt's been carrying this team as well, so um, and you just you just got to wonder if it can get worse from here, especially if Rewalt. Oh yeah, it can. Has, oh, uh, it can. Uh, David at the bottom, yeah. Yeah, they've hit the bottom. I mean, I I went to that Hawthorne St Kilda game, and in fact, I think it's the only live game I've been to so far this year. They were just minutes of the game where they didn't touch the ball, literally minutes of the game, and 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 they didn't even know what to do. It was it was quite staggering, and uh, and when those older heads are gone, it's it's it looks terrible. It looks terrible, mm. but. A happy, a happy story is Melbourne. Isn't Melbourne a happy story? It is. It is a bit of a surprise, isn't it? Like, you just it add two or three decent players to a group of young kids, and my God, that makes such a difference. They've got Chris Dawes to kick at, Bernie Vince, and I was one who laughed when I had Bernie Vince because I figured that I'd been hearing about Bernie Vince for so long that he was 33 years old, <laughs> and lo and behold, he's not. And he can bloody play, and he's very good. And um, Melbourne are doing wonderfully well. well they'll be with that. They'll be with that doors next time they play. Uh, he, did, did he get a week? Yeah, he accepted his yeah. ban. So did Stevie yeah. J. Yeah. Just on that, the match review panel, 
how how much of a joke is that that Dawes is deemed to be medium impact yet you see Viney and um, what's the other guy? Was it Douglas from Adelaide? Who yes, all the um oh or, or it might have been someone from West Coast that are deemed to be medium impact and then you see Dawes in comparison. It's I mean, this is a whole different subject, the match review panel, but there is that much inconsistency there, and it, it, it's another, it's a farce of the game at the moment. I, I am one of. Well, first of all, can I just say we go back a couple of weeks. Never have I seen such hysterical nonsense than the stuff that went on about that Jack Viney thing. Yeah, Jack Viney incident. I've, that was it. Was when I mean, you got you got former players threatening to camp out on the lawn of AFL House. Or, and throw their membership and not go to the Hall of Fame dinner. Please, just stop. Just stop now. Like, you're carrying on like ninnies. And, and frankly, if I was a tribunal member, I probably would have resigned by now. I mean, that was they were thrown under the bus by the AFL. It was pathetic. And um, they should be embarrassed about the way that they handled that. The, the appeals... Think, let's be honest. Um, the appeal... Um, Melbourne's appeal was that no reasonable jury could make the decision they did. Who are we kidding? Of course they could make that decision reasonably. Of course they could have made that decision. And you know, it's uh, you know, you've seen the castle where yep. they go to the high court, and he says it's about Marbo, it's about the vibe. It's you know, that's basically what the appeal was. That's yeah. basically what the appeal was. And and they've said the appeal board have basically said the tribunal was so feckless. That they couldn't do their job properly. Well, they worked within the rules they had, and they made a reasonable decision. Now you could argue whether that you agree with the decision, and I would have. I was happy enough for Viney to get off, but I think the process, the process stunk. Yeah, absolutely, and, absolutely. Absolutely. To you know, um, to have that partial reasoning that the jury was um, so unreasonable to come to that decision. It, it's just a complete and utter farce. And, yeah, as you say, some may, people may say that the right decision was made. However, the damage that could potentially have been done to reach that decision and the farcialness that that was is an ugly aspect of all this. It's no Realize. more... It's it's no less chuklotto than what we've got in the past. And, and I think people have got to get their heads around the way the point system works and, and we still think in that subjective way of, oh, well, he did this, I think that's worth three or, no, I think that's worth four because Buffett hit Johnny last week and, oh, God, that was worth three because that bloke two years ago did this. I mean, the point system's designed to try and take a subjective set of criteria and place some objectivity around it and, and people just can't get their heads around that. They reject it constantly and... I, I mean, I would have been happy if the tribunal had said Viney didn't have any other choice and he got off. But when they didn't, that appeal should never, ever have got up. It was really poor. It was really I would, poor. I would actually probably prefer... Um, just thinking about that when you say the point system, I don't really have much... You know, I don't have much grief with the point system. It is what it is, and it's um, it's the best of a bad lot of solutions to have that consistency. Talk this crap out about the medical reports... Um, determining if something's severe or minor. I mean, in the Viney case, for instance, a medium impact, the guy's got a broken jaw, um, and that's exactly. a medium impact. That, would, uh, that was another partial aspect of it as well. And then you have Chris Dawes this week deemed as um, medium impact. It's just, there's, I understand the point system was meant to bring in consistency, but they're not bringing everything to enhance that consistency 
throughout, well, not just week from week, but season to season as well. But, but the way it's the way that the way the point system is created is subjective too, because you've got to say, well, is it reckless or negligent? Well, I bet the, how do you, I bet, how you, do you I, bet, I bet they don't even know the difference. I think you say it's either reckless or it's deliberate, and, and that's well, that it. Seems I mean, like so it's almost as if they chuck the points together with a negligent and then a reckless, and then determine. Well, well we think that. Um, oh well. One week's probably fair enough for that, so we'll just class it as negligent. Honestly, that's the only way I can see him deciding this sort of stuff. It's just I do not understand how they differentiate between stuff like negligent, reckless. It's just and and medium. And, and as far as like the the outcomes go, if you've got something that's medium or severe, well, medical ports do come into that because if you put a guy in hospital, or you break his jaw. Or he just has a cut nose and a, you know, and he and he thinks it's Wednesday and and, and the trainers, you know, Sophia are in. Well, that's fine, but you know, you've got to have some way of saying, well, because again, it's, it's subjective. Is it is it medium or is it high impact? I mean, again, it's all where's what's your criteria for saying that? Yeah, and that's exactly. that's what's yeah. not transparent. And that I wanna... comes back to the emphasis put on medical reports as well, because um, I just find it ridiculous that a player can get, you know, say severe contact for bumping a player because of the injury that's sustained. Whereas if you put that same bump and the same force on another player, they could have walked scot free, uh, scot free, and that could have been deemed lower medium impact. And, and look, and, and well, I'll put my is... and I'll put my Hawthorne hat on here and say I was pissed off about the Jared Ruff headline. I was. I wasn't happy about that. And, yeah, I look and I go, oh, okay, I can see why they did it. But, you know, if he hit a bloke who was, you know, five inches taller, he wouldn't, he wouldn't have got anything for that. That was – and then Hanabry – I mean, I'm loading the gun here for you, Pross. I I think they, they've thrown Hurley and – they put Hurley in the black hat and said it's his fault. I, I think that's really disappointing. He, he was the bloke with his head over the ball and Hanabry's the one who ran at him. Hanabry's I, I can't see why Hanabry – didn't have any options. Hanbury lined him up from 20, 30 metres away, ran straight at him for the contest. The ball spilled out of Hurley's hands towards the end and it ended up being a 50-50. But Hurley's got to get some protection for being the, the guy trying to get the ball, surely. And you didn't even get a free kick out of it. No. No, and I... and Yeah, I, I was really disappointed with that too. I mean, I'm not... Just, I don't play, want... de- just to play devil's advocate... Do we reckon uh, Hanabry would have gone two weeks ago before the Viney incident? You just never know these days. Yeah, no, well, yeah the same, it's, it's not. The same thing could be said about uh, Liam Jones. Now, he was definitely thrown under the bus and made an example out of the Viney incident because, look, it was a high contact. Um, I can't remember the name of the Melbourne player. He actually connected with Jones's shoulder but it was one of those split decision things. And, you know, it was a bit reckless and he, he was knocked out. But then to see Viney walk away from breaking someone's jaw, it just doesn't make sense. Yeah. All right, I want to move on, guys. Um, before we run out of time, you know, Chief will kill me. But, uh, <laughs> you know, I've got time limits I've got to obey and stuff. You know, we can't just talk forever. And uh, just a quick look at this weekend's uh, games that are coming up. Obviously, the buy rounds are still in effect. But... Um, uh, we've got Geelong and North Melbourne at uh, Skilled Stadium on Friday night. It, it, it constantly amazes me that, that the media want to throw uh, soil over Geelong and bury them. 
they're, they're still a really good team. They will finish top four, and um, they will do North Melbourne. North to be competitive until about three-quarter time? Pretty much. And, uh, yeah, Geelong to uh, smash them in the, in the last... Uh, Saturday, we've got GWS versus Richmond at uh, Spotless Stadium. I'm going for GWS in upset. I'm going for GWS in front of about 6,000 people. Yeah. I'm going for Richmond in an upset. Ooh. Richmond are heavy favourites, but I, gee, I reckon GWS might sneak one in again. Collingwood and West Coast, uh, Saturday afternoon at the MCG. Oh, oh frick. Press red for Ed's back for this one if, you, if that, you're a game geez. or you have a head injury. Um, <laughs> that would be a good game, actually. I'm, but I'm thinking MCG. I, I'm thinking that Collingwood is just going to have an edge over West Coast. Of course, the, I think the game of the round, without question, Port Adelaide and Hawthorne, uh, Saturday night at Adelaide Oval. First of all, can I, just say, I, can I just say, I think Collingwood will beat West Coast by about 120 points. <laughs> Collingwood are absolutely... Going to do things. Don't take your children to this one, West Coast fans. <laughs> don't take your kids to this one. They'll be scarred. Oh, come awful. on. They don't take them to Victorian games anyway. It's not safe. Yeah. <laughs> oh, no. So, Port Adelaide versus Hawthorne, Saturday night at Adelaide Oval. Hawthorne to be brave, but, but to go down. Port Adelaide comfortably. Yeah. Uh, Sunday, <laughs> Sunday afternoon, your boys, uh, Mike versus Gold Coast at Metricum. Yeah, look, at Metricon, I'm going to have to say Gold Coast. Um, they just look far better than we do at the moment. But I don't, I don't think it'll be blow over, but probably somewhere between 20 to 30 points. And the, the MCG will be hosting Carlton and Adelaide. Oh. In... <laughs> the unspeakable versus the unedible. In, in oh what, in what will be an awful display of professional <laughs> football. <laughs> is, this another, is this another Monday night catastrophe? No, nah, this is Sunday afternoon. Uh, Sunday oh, so I can safely take the kids to the park on Sunday. Yes, <laughs> yes. one of those crappy Twilight games, that's right. Yes. Yeah, Carlton have a lot of them this year for some reason. Ta- I reckon Carlton will be the RACV and get Taylor Walker started. You reckon? Oh, yeah. Fair enough. Eat everyone hey, to their own. Actually, I- no, I think, Carlton, I, I think Carlton will beat Adelaide. I think Carlton will beat Adelaide just because it's in Melbourne. Yeah. Oh, we get, hey, by the way, the return of the return of the prodigal son, Eddie Betts. <laughs> oh yeah. Eddie Betts comes back. What's what's the chances of Eddie Betts putting putting five on there? I don't know. Stick Chris Yaron on him. We'll see what happens. Then you can as realize how Chris Yaron and his renowned defensive boots. pressure. Well, <laughs> as long as it's not Bootsma. Oh, Bootsma! Won't. <laughs> I don't think we'll see Bootsma in a Carlton jumper again. To be honest, I think he's finished. Was he ever actually good, or was it more of a he's got curly hair and it's it, like it, pulling a dynamite sort it, of it's sensation? It's one of those weird recruiting decisions that Carlton undertook. Uh, he must have freaking starred in the under 18s or something for WA because oh. he hasn't he didn't really show me much uh, for the Blues, but uh, you know that. Like, that he, he, he was taken well ahead of where they thought he would go. He was an obscure he, pick picked up in like the round, about pick 22, 23 from memory. He was, a, he was our first pick in the oh, draft. No. Oh, no. Which, oh, no. which draft was that? He was our first pick in the draft like two years ago. Oh, God. No. No, he's a, he reminds me, he's got Zach Dawson circa 2006. He's, a, he's our 2000. He's a, well, he's our uh, Kane Lucas from 2007, I think. So. Speaking oh. of recruiting blunders, Tyrone Vickery is an interesting one. 
Oh, he shows stuff every now and then, doesn't he? He does. Uh, it seems to be one of those more he frustrating kills Carl. things. Every time he plays. You know what he could do if he pulled his finger out and stopped trying to be a Fox Tough guy. But um, he's just... He Eptimo, is the eptimum of what uh, Richmond is at the moment. Just the mediocre... The what of what Richmond is at the moment? The what? Epitome, yeah. you mean? He's the epitome. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what you said. Uh, come on, guys. Let me know. Big words. Big words. All right. Yeah. You took come a fair on. stab Be at nice. it. Be nice to Go to bed. I know. Oh. oh. Hey, hey. I, I noticed there was a mini renaissance of lamppost, Cookie. He's having a good run, old Robbie, at the moment. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, uh, he, he say he's casting his light a little further than he used to. <laughs> well, he's doing some stuff at ground level, which, quite frankly, astonishes me every time he does it. He kicked the first goal in the game against someone a week or two ago, so... <laughs> against someone that we ended up losing to by five goals. I can't remember. <laughs> no, I think we beat... Who do... Oh, I don't know. Uh, St Kilda, did he keep the first goal in the game against him? Oh, wow. Yeah. So, Wait, who's this? Robbie Warnock. Oh. Just out of nowhere. <laughs> I don't know what he was doing yeah, down yeah, there. Yeah, that big lumbering giant. Yep. Can't, yes. he, can't do, he still doesn't take a mark a game. But uh, he, he's been doing okay at ground level and getting clearances and stuff, so he's, he's doing all right. Best, best role he's played since he played one of the trees in the second Lord of the Rings movie. It's fantastic. He, he's probably in the best form he's been in since... Uh, for that. He, he's in the best form he's been in since he demolished Cox and Nat Newey in the 2011 semi. Oh, dear. You've got to love a bloke who can demolish Cox. Oh, hang on, was it the to- 2012 semi? Oh, I can't remember. <laughs> I, <I>, <laughs> <laughs> You'll have to edit that one out. Am, <laughs> Along with epitome, yeah, the it's the it's the epitome of this conversation. Uh, yeah. oh, anyway, it's always fun to talk about Carlton because you know that's all fair. We it's like comic relief, and we all love a bit of comic relief, so it's fantastic. We might we haven't West Coast fallen off a cliff, by the way. Oh, a little bit, yeah. Well, they're starting to get a run with injuries again, aren't they? Or are they? Who isn't, though? Everyone's having a run with injuries now. It's, it seems to be the season for it. They remember uh, Matthew Knight's first year on... Remember, um, oh, obviously, under Simpson, but uh, back in 2008, where Essendon made that great start, fell to North Melbourne by about 60-odd points, and then just fell off a cliff. It's a similar sort of thing here. And West Coast is an interesting proposition because... You, remember, you think back to 2011 and you, you can see what they're capable of and the core of that side's well and truly still there. But... They are just, still ninth, they're, West they're Coast. Like they're just playing ordinary in a front runner at the moment. They are still ninth, West Coast. And they've beaten Melbourne, St <laughs> Kilda, GWS and the Bulldogs. They haven't been anybody placed higher than 12th. I think, uh, interesting thing, uh, Gold Coast going for their fifth win in a row this weekend. Oh, their they run must start to get... Swan, they Swans going for six in a row? Swans have really... I think they're really starting to show now what the forward line is really capable of. Like, oh, t- t- sorry. If somebody says Bondi billionaires one more time, I'm going to vomit in my mouth. <laughs> Please. Please. Uh, just watching Franklin, it was vintage Franklin during that second quarter 
Friday night. Just... Can I tell you, you relate to this, Pros, because you were you were a young man very recently. <laughs> you know, when you've been you've gone out with a girl in the first year and you've really liked her and you've held hands and 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 you think you're sweetheart and then you break up and you go down to the pub and you see her and she's all over this bloke and he's feeling her up and you just know they're going to go home and get it on. That's what I feel like when I watch Buddy play in the Sydney Fancy. I feel hurt and, and I feel hurt and crushed. That, and that's, that story's uh, too real to have been made up. I don't know. I, I, just, I just plucked out of thin air, right? I don't Do know you, want you want me to make it really awkward? I broke, up with, I broke up with my missus today because similar thing. Oh. <gasps> you caught her pouring some bloke in a pub. No, but I did the next best thing, caught her on Facebook. Um, oh. oh! Facebook so trouble! As in, as in, in her messages. Oh. Oh, oh she okay. said she buddy, she buddy, she had already signed the contract but not told anybody, in other words. <laughs> yeah. Bella, buddy. It's been pretty complicated for a while, but yeah. Mm. Oh, well, yeah, well, anyway. Gold so Coast... No, I'm planning to go out to um, was it Glen Ferry Road tonight and all that sort of stuff, and just have at it. You find a nice, nice Essendon supporting girl. It was right. a nice Essendon supporting girl. <laughs> well, all, I'm, I'm sure there's a, I'm sure there's a second one. <laughs> there must now Gold Coast, in the Gold Coast next few weeks. Bulldogs home, win. Adelaide, Adelaide Oval. What do we reckon? Wookie, win I, or loss? I reckon they could do it at Adelaide Oval against Adelaide. Okay, Gold Coast versus Bondi Billionaires, Metricon. Yeah, no, Gold Coast will win that. Do you think Gold Coast are going to beat Sydney? In... Oh, the Bondi Billionaires? No, probably no, not. I don't think so, no. I'd, I'd like to think so, but I doubt West it. Coast at Patterson's? That'll be, uh, that'll be a fun Coast. game to watch. I don't I think... No, I think... West Coast will either win by 60 points or Gold Coast will get up. Yeah. Fair uh, cool. Then Geelong at Metricon. I reckon they could knock them off. Yeah, see, after that, then they've got Hawthorne and Collingwood. It's not the best, easiest few weeks. I mean, they could drop a number of those. You make hay while the bank, though. That's the important thing. As long as they make hay while the sun shines, when they get those tough games, they'll be all right. Well, then they've got a patch where it's like Brisbane, Gold Coast, Carlton. I mean, they may as well not turn up for those. Oh, they, be they can't yeah. Lose yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's right. So, but, um, by then, you guys will be playing Box Hill, so... Yes, well, that's all <laughs> we've got left. So. Box Hill will be running around. Well, you know, this, this is a chance, isn't it? When one soldier falls, you just get another soldier, rookie. Yeah. You'll, you'll, you'll have those New Zealand guys running around in the seniors for you. Hey, don't, don't <laughs> laugh. Don't laugh. Now, uh, not Shem, but I tell you what, Kurt Heatherly is not out of the out of the calculations. If we go a couple no. more down, don't, he's, don't he's you have Nagata or whatever like, his name is? Kurt Heatherly. Yeah, his dad was a and rugby player, or his granddad was, or something. Shem, yeah, and Shem Tatupu. Tatapu. Yep. Yeah, and there's another there's another big uh, key position guy at Box Hill called. Caden Brand, who was a 2012 draft pick, 196 centimetres, filling out nicely, playing well. I hope so, because so. they're all going to be running out for you in the later half of the year. 
Well, yeah, it's it's getting a bit thin on the ground at the moment. Ho- hopefully, anyway, hopefully but... by the time was it round fourteen, you guys play us. Hopefully, they'll all be out by then. Well, I tell you, this is the thing. Still in, beat us, but two, you know, not by much. Two thousand nine, we had heaps of injury problems, and all year we said, "Oh, if we can just get them back on the park, just get them back on the park." And you know what? We never did. We never did. That was so... the season, though. Oh, the velvet, the velvet sledgehammer. Yeah, well, we won't talk about that. Brad Sewell's still got both his eyes, though, so you'd be happy to know that. <laughs> All right, guys, we're going to wrap it up. Um, uh, what are you looking forward to the most this weekend? Oh, the the Schadenfreude of Richmond. Yeah, I, I, I'm going to echo that. Um, the fallout should Richmond lose, failing that. Port Adelaide um, and Hawthorne Adelaide Oval. Just as an aside, oh. how great is Adelaide Oval for football? It, it is fantastic. It is really good. At, yeah, definitely, definitely. As the South Australian here, the token South Australian on our podcast, uh, it is uh, it is a fantastic ground. It is fantastic for not just for football, but just for the whole city. It's fantastic for the world. Really. It is. I think Kofi uh, Annan should have built one when he was at the UN. For yes, uh, and just filled it with poor people. <laughs> now you can say you've got and given them nuclear, cake. You've got <laughs> just a nuclear waste dump with a with a winery attached. Yeah. Apologies to all the South Australian people who want to kill you. Don't apologise. It's true. <laughs> anyway. Um, all right, well, I guess that's it for the cast, guys. Thank you very much to Messenger Mike and Prosecutor for coming on board. Uh, it has been a long month, but we are quite glad to uh, be back. Um, so, yeah, thanks, guys. No worries. Thank you. And uh, we will see the rest of you on the forums. You're as cold as ice. You're willing to sacrifice Never take